live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, it's time for your one hour of Ada goodness. It's me, Lady Ada, with me, uh, Mr. Lady Ada. I'm the engineer and Mr. Lady is on camera control, helping out with the chats, taking care of stuff, coming up with code, uh, discount code words. Uh, we're broadcasting from downtown Manhattan in the Ada Fruit headquarters where we do all of our kidding, shipping, manufacturing, testing, coding, videoing, and more. Right now, the factory is sound asleep. Yeah. We're the only two here because it's late. And it's time for Ask Engineer. Um, but normally, this place is abuzz with activity as we manufacture as much as we can with the part shortage at hand. But for the next hour, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about all the news and more in the maker hacker engineering community. Mr. Lady Ada, why don't you tell them what is on That's tonight's right. show? Jam-packed show. On tonight's show, the code is microadapter, 10% off in the Adafruit store, all the way up to 11.59 p.m. or so when I turn the code off. It gets you 10% off anything in stock in the Adafruit store. Talk about our Adafruit live series of shows, including Show & Tell, Liz hosted tonight. A lot of time travel this week. We've got chip shortage, and this week it's microchip. We've got from the mailbag, Jobs from the Adafruit Jobs Board. Got some advanced manufacturing made in New York City factory footage, some 3D printing. We've got INMPI. This week is CUI devices. We got some new products. We got some top secret. We answer your questions over on Discord, Adafruit.it slash Discord, where you can join all 34,000 of us. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Yay. Okay. So let's uh, just pay some bills real quick. Microadapter is the code. As you add things to your cart, you can see that you get free things. Free things. $99 or more, we're going to give you a free Permaproto half-size breadboard. It's our favorite freebie uh, for the $99 range. $149 or more, you get a KB2040. Um, even though there's a silicon shortage, we can still get you a RP2040 board that's pink. Um, it's Promicro pinout. It's got castellated pads. Um, it's got the KB, because a lot of people use these for keyboards, but it's also a great mic controller that can run Arduino, MicroPython, or CircuitPython. Um, it's a wonderful little microcontroller, and uh, it's free when you order from us, $150 or more. And uh, $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And hopefully we'll bring back the Circuit Playground Express freebie when we can get more Circuit Playground Expresses. But for now, that's what we got. Those are free stuff, and don't forget the code throughout the show tonight. Okay, and uh, don't forget, if you're looking for something like a Raspberry Pi or pretty much anything in the future, you'll probably want to make an account on Adafruit.com, verify your account, you just click an email once you receive it from us, and then put two-factor authentication, not only on Adafruit's site, but any site you have the chance to do that because that is the world we live in, but that allows us to manage the Raspberry Pi orders specifically because there's a shortage, and we've successfully cut down on the eBay sellers that were selling them for like three or $400, people that were buying multiple ones, um, and other people couldn't get them. So thank you for your understanding, patience, and also securing your account. We do a bunch of live shows. Um, this week, so we did uh, show and tell for like three weeks in a row. Some of the folks uh, on the team are on vacation doing other stuff, so it is their turn to host Many are the back. Show. So this week, Liz hosted the show. Thank you so much, Liz. Thanks, Liz. I think next week is JP, and then after that, Noah and Pedro. We do show and tell every single week. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can check YouTube or Discord. That's where you get the link. You join in, you show and share your projects. It's super chill. If you don't get a chance to stop by this week, 
Or you didn't get a chance to stop by this week. Come by next week, or the week after, 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 or the week after. We're going to be doing this pretty much for a very long time. So show and share your projects, especially if it's stuff from Adafruit, but not a requirement at all. On Sundays, we do from the desk of Lady Ada. It's in two parts. Part one, and we're going to show some of this in a bit, is some of the uh, top secret stuff. But what did you have on Desk okay. of Lady Ada this week? Okay, what did I have? Um, I think I was talking about... Um, Oh, goodness. Oh, I was looking for an alternative for the LSM. Sorry, I, was, I slid all the way to the side. Yeah, uh, I was looking for an alternative for the LSM 60S33. It's a six-off sensor that we use in a lot of our boards, including the Feather Sense and the Clue. This chip is no longer available. Uh, it's end of line, and it's completely, like, missing from planet Earth. So I found a good alternative, uh, the LSM 60S3TRC, uh, and I even got it working in Arduino, so it's good. Uh, I will be also designing a Feather TFT with an NRF52840 chip um, that uses that. I also showed off some samples, including uh, these adorable LED filaments, which I have a longer video later to show. Yep. So we showed those off. Yeah. And also, um, I showed off some clicky switches with LEDs built in. Yeah, at the end of the show, when we do the top secret, we're going to enlist your help to name these filaments. Um, also on Desk of Lady Ada, we do the great search, and that's where Lady Ada uses her power of engineering to find the parts you need on digikey.com. Thanks, Digikey. We make that segment possible. Lady Ada, what did you try to find this week? Okay, man. This week. Oh, that's right. I was looking for a good beginner scope. We have a lot of people who email us, and they're like, I want to get an oscilloscope. I'm in school, or I'm just starting engineering, and I have a budget of about a $500, $500 for an oscilloscope. So I kind of went through DigiKey and I showed um, some good scope options. I, I talked about the trade-offs of bandwidth, uh, memory depth, number of channels, and there was some other thing. Um, and basically, you know, you're going to pay more the more you want. Uh, so what are the important trade-offs? And what are the trade-offs I think are worth making as a beginner? And I found one or two good um, desktop oscilloscopes with nice big displays, good memory depth, good bandwidth, um, two or four channels for about you know four hundred or six hundred and fifty dollars for the four channel version. Okay. JP was back this week. We did JP's product pick of the week. That's where we do a live broadcast from the product page. Discounts automatically applied. This is this week's highlight from JP. The NeoPixel three thirty two silicone bead LED strip. It is a half meter, so there's one hundred and sixty six, I believe. LEDs in there and it is gorgeous. So this is individually addressable NeoPixel LEDs. I've plugged it into a Cutie Pie RP2040 with a little battery BFF and a little LiPo battery. And uh, as you can see here, you get a really nice, nearly solid display. You can see as they dim there, uh, they will start to reveal the trick, but at more moderate brightness levels, and this is only at, I think, 0.35 on brightness. It almost looks like a continuous neon strip, except it's got this individually addressable RGB effect to it, which is really cool. That is my product pick of the week. It is the NeoPixel 332 silicone bead half meter LED strip. Thanks. And, um... Jump Park's Workshop is back this week. Yay! So check it out tomorrow. You'll also be able to check out CircuitPython Parsec. On Fridays, we do Deep Dive. We do that with Tim, 2 p.m. Pacific. Check that out for the innards of CircuitPython and more. 
Dive Deep in CircuitPython with Tim, also known as Omigai. So we have some time travel, and this week we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, a little bit different um, because it's summer and there's activities and events and more. And when we go to an event or something, uh, we like to go there and imagine all of you with us and, and share it. So I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but we did have uh, a couple uh, just odds and ends. Some of these we do each week. Um, this one is uh, new. So uh, get out your phones if you use TikTok. Uh, we're up to 60,000 um, fans, followers, friends on TikTok. Um, we put kind of random stuff there, some of the videos we do. So if you have your phone, um, this is a TikTok QR code looking thing. Hmm. Um, I'll leave this up just for another second. If you have TikTok, just uh, hold the phone uh, with the camera up to the screen and you'll be able to uh, add Adafruit. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, just the short form nature of it, we'll put some uh, really fast and funny things on there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do with social media. And I'll just say this straight up. We try to use it for positive things. And by positive things, is, is this something that's going to make someone happy, delighted, uh, inspired to share, um, build something? And so I know that there's a lot of different accounts that are out there. And, and, and a lot of the things that happen on social media is people dunking on each other or being mean. But whatever we do on our social media accounts, um, we, we like to think like, well, this is... The definition of wholesome could be uh, a lot of different things, but I think that's kind of the way you could view it. So if you're if you're looking for something like if you're gonna have if you're gonna do social media stuff, there are some accounts that are probably interesting for folks who like to do electronics. So, anyways, thank you everybody over there, um, sixty thousand folks, and uh, you know we, we don't we don't fit in the in the algorithms uh, box often like with YouTube and stuff like that. So every subscriber is a real person, it's a real follower. Um, we don't get the artificial follows and views because we just do stuff a little different. Adabox, you can go to adabox.com. We update any new information every single week. We wanted to ship a winter edition, but of course that did not happen. So now we're talking about, well, it's spring. It might even be spring, summer. We're getting closer to being able to ship. It's just a lot of parts are out of stock. And if we can't get the parts, we can't ship the Adabox. So um, we're deciding eventually if we're going to send an email update. We don't like to do that because blasting out thousands of emails just generally doesn't, doesn't work. So thank you, everyone, who gets the word out for us on all the platforms out there. Also here, and we have our videos. Um, but when we have a definitive, like, okay, things are in hand, it's about to ship, we re it's really happening, um, we'll send something out. But you don't have to worry if you have an Adabox subscription because we only charge the cards when we ship it. That's right. So, yeah. Okay. Next up, um, on Friday, I went to NYC Resistor. Yay. And this was the Curse Technology Shop. It's the 12th annual interactive show, Curse Technology. And uh, Becky Stern was a curator. Becky used to work here at Adafruit, and also I worked with Becky at Make. Did an excellent job. DJ Smokey was there. All the artists was great. And so I, what I thought I would do, and when I was there, I was just like, you know what? Folks who watch... Ask an engineer will probably like this. So I just shot a quick video. It's like two and a half minutes. And it's just some of the sights and sounds of NYC Resistor through this lens here.
Okay, so that was NYC Resistor. You can check out the artists on the NYC Resistor blog. They have it looks a really bunch cool. of posts. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, cool and weird. I like yeah. I like weird, cool electronic art. Yeah. Delivers. We went to the Mystery of Life. This is by Rebecca Wainchuk. And this is a gallery not too far here from Adafruit called Here Now. And it's a combination of kind of historical, traditional Tibetan Buddhist looking art, but there's a really neat take on it and uh, you could tell why we went because you know cyborg uh, stuff circuit boards inside of some of the illustrations and art that you normally associate with uh, Buddhism and more and uh, you know about modern take once in a while you'll see Mickey Mouse in there melting iPhones and really beautiful stuff and uh, free to the public. Uh, we went on another little gallery thing. Um, if you're in New York City, check it out. It's just time to go out to galleries, and uh, that's what New York's about in the, in the spring and summer. And then uh, if you have your phone and you want to learn more about this, you can hold it up right now. You can go back to the video later, and you can look at all the artworks, more of the descriptions, and more. Um, they opened up a little store on the website, and you can get a, a pretty cool tote bag or a notebook or I think they had a couple other things, but uh, really neat stuff and uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite artists. Okay, uh, next up, we're gonna do uh, the now most popular segment <laughs> of- I know, I feel uh, bad, last week we didn't get to, we, were yeah, so, we had such a jam-packed show. There's we so were... many chip shortages to do, we ran out of time to do a chip shortage, so let's do this week's chip shortage. week the chips that we can't get are from microchip and uh, it's a uh, it's kind of uh, devastating for a lot of us out here because y'all know lots of chips 
are from microchips. So, Lady Ada, what's the chips that we really can't get that we really, really need okay, this th week? Okay, this week's chip shortage is a very popular chip, one of the first chips that we used in kits. Uh, everyone knows this is the Atmega 328, uh, sometimes called the 328P, which is a lower power version. Um, we use, you know, two versions, the um, TQFN and TQFP version. Honestly, I always take the QFN because I can always put a QFN where QFP was. I can't always do the other way yeah. around, but we both have both on orders. Here's what, page. I, what I thought was interesting is actually this is not recommended for new designs, which I, you know, I've noticed. Yeah. I think I mentioned um, on the Desk Lady Ada, the LSM 9DS1 from, T, um, from ST, which is a sensor that people really loved, also is NRND. Uh, a little scary because this is a uh, very popular chip. And that said, I don't think they're going to discontinue it. I think they're just saying, hey, like, this chip is like over 10 years old, 15 years old now. Yeah, and we're seeing like, you know, 2023. And they have a preferred partner program. We're a part of that. We paid for the, the stuff in advance and the dates just keep changing. Mm. So what... Um, what products yeah. do we do we use? We, this in? we use this in the Feather 328P that we can't make right now, the Metro uh, 328. You know, uh, we ordered these um, back in 2021, a year and a half ago almost, um, when it was like you know 52 week lead time, and we like I don't know maybe I was optimistic. I was like, well, you know, I believe you, 52 week lead time. I'll order now, and I need this many in a year. Um, it's over a year now, and um, all of our orders have been pushed out another year, so we might not get so it for. Two years. So this is affecting a lot of schools. Yeah. It's affecting educators. It's a, a lot of people making kits. Yeah. A lot of people making and, projects. And the stuff that we make and sell is usually for people to help others make and That's sell right. and become engineers. It's dev boards. People want to, yeah. you know, it's ironic. You can actually get a dev board for cheaper than individual chip now. Yeah. Um, but we don't sell the individual chips. We always put them on dev boards for people to... Um, learn with to, to write code with it's it's you know it's a platform for this chip and we've supported this chip and written a ton of code for it over the yeah. last 15 years um, so I'm not asking for anything other than please ship the chips that we ordered we, over a year ago we, in the timeline yeah. that was originally it, promised it's to not, us. yeah it's not like a special favor it's just like we just want the stuff we ordered and paid for from over a year ago so, um, you know, and if, and if there is um, things that the companies want to start bundling, like, oh, we don't have enough chips, well, how about you allocate some to the companies that are doing the most open source code for that chip? Yeah, all we're doing is making more developers yeah. um, so and getting it to students. That's a request. And kids, so. It's on the DigiKey site. You can see zero in stock. And, never, uh, forever. Yeah, this is, what our, this is what everything looks like always and forever. Okay. Zero in stock. And uh, please, please, please. So Mr. How, many, how many do we need? We need, you know, 2,000 just to tide us over. We did order 15,000 a year ago um, with the expectation that we would get them. Uh, we have money more than that on order. It's just that that was like the order that we booked yeah. back in March 2021. Um, but, yeah, I think even, you know, a wheel of a, a 2,000 or 4,000 would tide us over. If, it, if we really aren't getting it for another year, we need about eight, eight to 10,000 yeah. at least. And uh, someone in chat says the 328P QFN, a company quoted them $40 a, per chip, which is ridiculous. It used to be like a dollar And then for the QFP ones, um, some companies are starting to use the clones because they have no choice. Which is actually a problem because, you know, the clones are not, uh, there's actually code that we've seen that does not run well on the clones mm -hmm. or they don't, they, you know, it's like they act weird. Um, so those clones are not, I wouldn't use them because... I, I think that there would be problems with some libraries, especially when you're really using all the interrupts and you're 
taking, you're using the timers. Um, I don't think those clones do a very, they don't do a 100% job. And that's this week's chip shortage. We'll see you next week because this ain't ending. Okay, every week you send us letters and we read them. Here we go. Letters. We get letters. We get tweets and we get emails. Letters, letters, letters. This week it's a short one. This one comes from VC. I'm a software developer. Never thought I would ever touch electronics. Raspberry Pi, then finding Adafruit created a new hobby. How wholesome. Yes, it's our new... Word of the day. I feel like if we're going to have to go through all this, we might as well have some catchy tunes. That's right. Um, Jobs.adafruit.com. This is where you can post your skills and uh, connect up with folks that are looking to hire folks like you. Or if you're a company and you're looking for makers, hackers, artists, engineers, programmers, folks that are familiar with Adafruit stuff or really anything, um, we review each job and we moderate them to make sure they're not scammy or sketchy. So this is a programmer, USB, ESP32 from Bitbang Gaming LLC. It's a contract position. And then firmware programming for an RP2040 PCB from OctaKeys. And this Miami is Florida. perfect for people who've done Arduino code with teeny USB, man. You're, if, yeah. you, if you know it, you love it. We have great example codes. You can base, uh, we had some company concerts today, and they were like, can we use uh, your code for our product? It's a yeah. very, very big company. And we're like, as long as you obey the license, you're good to go. All right, let's do some Python on hardware. Okay, big news. Um, CircuitPython 8 Alpha 1 is released. Um, this is the start of the next version of CircuitPython. Please test it. Please give us feedback. Um, it's, you know, pretty stable, but there's some fixes and there's going to be a bunch of stuff for the final revisions. Um, you could check out the entire list of things. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, and I'm going to get to the, the big news. I'm going to skip this part real quick. Do you want quick. me to talk about the, what, what's the big changes yeah, in A? Yeah, why don't you, wanna... you do that? And then I'm going to talk well, about... Well, it's in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we go to a major revision change, uh, which is the first letter, the first number from like five to six, six to seven, seven to eight, it means that we've introduced breaking changes. That means that code will have to be updated. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a medium or a, a minor number change or a bug fix number change, Usually code doesn't break, usually it's us fixing things. This is actually where we're changing stuff. So for example, Gamepad Shift, which was um, uh, DevShipu's library to manage um, uh, you know, game pads that use a shift register, uh, we're now using our more generic and powerful keypad library that has, um, it has more support for different configurations. Um, the functionality is there, but the code needs to change. And also OneWire, has moved um, from bus I.O. or BitBang I.O. into one-wire I.O. That's because it is kind of like BitBang. It's not really, it doesn't really fit in either, and also we had some space considerations. Um, and also we're starting to add um, .env, which is um, environmental settings support, and this is in prep for uh, the Wi-Fi workflow that we're going to be adding in 8. Okay, and I'm going to skip this other news here. Um, PyLeap, it's now available in the App Store. This is the easiest, most fun way that you can get code from your iOS device to a Bluetooth device like the Bluefruit 
or the clue, uh, check it out. It makes it really fun and uh, super easy, kind of like CircuitPython, if you think about how easy CircuitPython is. Even easier. This is even easier. And we know not everyone uses computers. Some only use phones. So this is our first attempt of many to help people who are using their phones for their primary computing device. Okay, PyOhio talks were announced. Um, the board election dates for 2022 for the Python Software Foundation. You can do nominations. You can um, help out. You can vote. There's a lot of things coming up. Uh, if this is important to you, we have it all in one spot. There's some new updates to Python that might make it faster. Some people are really into that. We mm, have that wow, there. it's almost twice as fast. Yeah. Um, Anne was on the Circuit Python show. You could tune into that. Timmy makes things had. Uh, some streaming with CircuitPython, and then just oh, like look at this RGB ball. Unending projects with Python on hardware. If you jellyfish, want it. yeah, if, yeah. There's there's a lot going on. There's also um, another TI calculator that uses Python. Um, in France, it's pretty much well. It is the national programming language. This seems to be what's happening in the rest of the, uh -huh. the country and the world too. But the big news that I want to talk about uh, this week is. Uh, is this the grand release? This is the, yeah, this is the big deal. So CircuitPython 8 has a new poster. We have a poster for every version of CircuitPython, uh, starting with version 3. And uh, special thanks to Espressive. We reached out to them. We said, hey, this, this version of CircuitPython is going to have a bunch of stuff in it that works well with your chips and more, and we're big fans. So they sent us over the branding, logo, user guide, guidelines. We put together a couple different ideas that we thought that would... Uh, be an homage to uh, Espressive. And, um, you know. They let us go with this one. They let us I do it. Which I think is pretty cool. They let us do it. So I wanted to zoom in on some of the features and some of the things on this. So this is going to be a poster in our store. And on our show later, we'll talk about this as a coming soon product. Um, but what I wanted to do is just give you an idea of uh, just the history of some of the, the posters, just so you could see what um and i'm just gonna search for yeah, a poster. poster yeah i search for poster so let me go back to our um thing here and you can just see the thumbnail so this is uh circuit python 8. we have um oh speaking of uh there's eight left of circuit python poster these are these are all limited we only do a small run um i think my favorite one is circuit python 7 because it's the the great merge with MicroPython and circuit python um <laughs> hot air balloon uh, this is CircuitPython 5. five this four. is when we worked with Nordic. They were kind enough to give us permission to use their logo, too. It feels like it was just yesterday. Yeah, and then um, the CircuitPython 3 poster. That's the first one, I think. Yeah, and then this is a, a poster that I did a long time ago, Make Robot Friend, Not Robot Enemy. That was from a Sony engineer who said, Toronto is very important. Don't make robot enemy, make robot friends. Um, and then we had a law of Roblox poster. So these are just, you know, limited runs of things. We, we mostly do this for our staff, but if you wanted to pick one up, now would be the time, or at least get ready for when we have those in stock. And that is this week's Python on Hardware News. We deliver this to your inbox every single week. Please sign up over on adafruitdaily.com. It's a completely separate site because we don't want to ever have anyone think that we spam them. So we made a separate site just for the newsletters, and we never do anything with your content, your information, or anything, we just send you the email you sign up for, and that's that. We're an open source hardware company. It's true. Um, we're actually a, a, like a, I, th I think it's more like a, a, a force of good 
that, that does art and science and electronics, and we just happen to also be an electronics company that does open source hardware. So we have 2,688 guides. What's on the big board this week? The data. Okay. Um, let's see. I think we updated the NeoKey Trinky guide. We now have the uh, factory reset. Um, we've also got a guide from Matt S. Drack um, on how to run um, bad, sorry, can you, is it, can you just make it a little, I think it's box 86, yeah, but I can't read the text. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, what's in box 86? So box 86 is interesting. It's like a, um, like an emulator that, uh, that runs on ARM core that lets you run x86 Linux projects or Linux executables. Um, and then you can also run Wine. So then you, on top of that, you can also run Windows emulation because the Windows emulator requires x86. Um, so you showed some examples of like, you could run uh, like StarCraft on your Raspberry Pi 4, stuff, something that wasn't ported to the ARM core, but you can run it through emulation mode. Um, so check out the guide. It's, it's great if you have a Pi 4 or Pi 400. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to get some of the most popular games that are pre-compiled, might only come as executable binaries for, or maybe you just don't want to recompile them, uh, for x86 running on um, an ARM core such as that on the Raspberry Pi, or other single board Linux computers which tend to be ARM cores. Uh, next up we've got some updated and new guides. JP updated the video nubshank uh, to add an NTSC bar um, demo. Uh, example, um, I actually requested this because I need to test NTSC displays all the time, and I'm always like pulling out a Raspberry Pi and like just like loading the firmware on it and stuff. And uh, I was like, can I just have a thing that just gives me NTSC color bars? I just can tell if if I'm getting good um, data from into this NTSC port. And you did that, so you added a page. Uh, we have a new project from Known Pedro. They were on break for a couple weeks. They are back now. Uh, how to CNC. Wooden building bricks, they are, these are beautiful uh, Lego compatible bricks that they made from um, some scrap wood that they had left over, some cutoff pieces um, using their um, 3D mill. And they also showed a neat trick on how to do the double-sided design. Uh, so watch that video. Uh, Liz wrote up a guide for the QtPi ESP32 S3 with Arduino and CircuitPython code. Uh, we'll add Whippersnapper to that guide as well. And then Anne uh, worked with uh, Brendan in the community to uh, have a little guide on installing Iron OS on the mini hot plate that we stock in the shop. Um, it's cool that you can now hack your tools to uh, run Tetris on them or code. Um, either way, uh, yeah, check it out if you uh, have one of our mini hot plates and you maybe want yeah. to upgrade the firmware. Cool open source project. You can also support their efforts. Um, they have a GitHub sponsor thing on there, I believe. Um, I'm going to go check that out. And because they uh, had us work with them with a, a guide, I think uh, we'll try to say thank you and there's lots of ways. One of them is uh, we'll probably donate a little bit of money to the effort to keep this going. It's a nice way to say thank you. There's a lot of open source efforts that a couple bucks will send that signal. It's not the money for a lot of this folks. It's just, hey, thank you. Feeling of being appreciated. I'm working on something and someone notices besides yelling at me about pull requests or features. Okay. So let's do some factory footage. We are an advanced manufacturing company made here in New York City. Take it away, factory.
And it wouldn't be advanced manufacturing made in New York City unless there was a Disney headquarters being built across the street from you. That's what's going on here. More windows. All right, 3D printing. You and Pedro are back, and we've got a couple videos. We've got the bricks, building brick, not the L Ego thing. <laughs> and uh, also a speed up. In this project, we'll show you how we turn scraps of wood into wooden building bricks. We wanted to try milling our own building bricks using scraps of wood and cut off pieces from our recent CNC milling projects. We wanted our bricks to be Lego compatible so we can use them in our builds and create unique objects that showcase wood grain. 
For most of our CNC projects, we use the desktop CNC milling machine from Bantam Tools. We started off by surfacing our stock to a desired thickness and cut out a set of 2x4 bricks. We used an eighth inch flattened mill to do a contour of each brick with a millimeter step down. We made 15 bricks with a piece of cherry wood that was about 3.5 inches by 4 inches. Next up we used a 1 16th inch flattened mill to do the bottom side using a pocket operation. This is creating the bottom side of the bricks and milling out the tubes that press fit in between the studs. After milling, there are noticeable burrs, so a bit of light sanding is needed to smooth out those edges. I did a test fit on a LEGO base plate to verify the tolerances are snug enough for milling the top side. I thought it'd be cool to use a LEGO base plate as the jig holder for milling the top side of the bricks. This allows for milling batches of bricks so we don't have to do one at a time. I used the PCB alignment bracket so that I could precisely position the base plate onto the spoil board. The Bantam Tools software uses the conductive spoil board and the tool bit to probe the alignment bracket so the origin is locked in place. I used a wide piece of double-sided nitto tape to adhere the LEGO base plate to the spoil board. Once secured to the corner origin, I could just snap fit the bottom side of the bricks onto the top side of the studs. They're actually nice and tight so they won't come off during the milling process. In the software, I just had to offset the Z height to accommodate for the thickness of the LEGO base plate. The top side milling operation took a bit longer because the diameter of the tool is smaller but necessary for making those studs. The top side didn't require any additional sanding and they're ready to go straight off the jig. Once finished, I removed them by pulling them off of the base plate with a fair amount of force. I was quite surprised they snap fit together perfectly and squared up nicely when stacking. Be sure to check out the learn guide for the recipe and a full breakdown of all the steps to CNC your own. I had a lot of fun milling these LEGO compatible bricks and glad I found a project that can utilize all those scraps of wood. I chose to make basic 2x4 bricks but you could easily adapt this process to create unique shapes and maybe even those rare bricks that are hard to come by. Thanks so much for watching and be sure to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. Learn how to make all this stuff and more on 3D Hangouts with NumPager every single Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, the longest running live 3D printing show in the known universe. <laughs> it's true. Okay, Lady Ada, it is time for Eye on MPI. Okay. Eye on MPI. 
Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit this week. It's CUI Devices. Lady Ada, what is this week's new product introduction? Mm, this week's IMPI is uh, one of my favorite things. It's a USB PD power brick from CUI. Um, all right, so you go to the next, sorry, next image. Yeah. Um, so what it looks like, it's basically like your, your kind of standard desktop power brick. This is a 30-watt power supply. It's got a USB-C cable on it, and it's a multi-voltage USB PD power supply that you can, um, you can see you can change the power plug to be uh, you know, US or UK or, or EU. And um, what I like about this series is the SDI uh, 30CUT series, is um, basically this allows you to have a very high quality, um, low quiescent current, very efficient, uh, power supply that you can use for your products. It matches a lot of safety standards. It's UL, it's FCC, it's CE, all the safety and compliance you want. And um, the best part is because it's USB PD, sorry, USB type C PD, power delivery, uh, you can use this one power plug for a vast number of projects and products that you may sell. Um, so if you see um, down here, uh, sorry, in, in, uh, this is the data, the data sheet. So can you uh, expand? So you can see at the bottom there, it says the um, output voltages. Um, for example, 5 volts, you can get 3 amps, 9 volts, 3 amps, 15 volts, uh, 12 amps, and 20 volts, 1.5 amps. So basically, you know, 30 watts maximum. To get the maximum voltage, of course, you have to go to 15 or 20 uh, volts. You can't get that at 5 volts because USB-C doesn't really like to give you more than 3 amps, uh, no matter what the voltage. Um, but the power supply will automatically select the correct voltage um, based on the USB-C device that it's plugged into. And I think that this is uh, handy because this is a nice upgrade to um, what we've been using for the last like 20, 30, 50 years, uh, which is 5.5-millimeter uh, slash 2.1-millimeter DC jacks. Um, you have these, you know, I'm sure you have tons of these types of power adapters at home, they look like this. They're called wall warts because they're a little bit warty. Um, you plug them in and you get that 2.1 slash 5.5 millimeter jack on the end. But the thing that's really annoying is every power adapter is slightly different. So like this one, for example, is nine volt, one amp, but you have to look on the label. Um, some are going to be five volts, two amps. Some are gonna be 20 volts, half an amp. I mean, they can be any voltage, you know, almost any current limiting um, amount. And uh, some are, you know, AC only, some are DC output, some are positive tip, some are negative tip. It, you know, there's one connector, but it's used for like, you know, a variety of different voltages and current uh, capabilities. So, you know, one solution is, um, well, you can have one of these ad adjustable adapters where you can dial in uh, voltages. This is like, I think a three to 12 volt adapter. And you can see it's got that standard 5.5, 2.1 millimeter end. Um, here's one from another company where you, you can select different voltages and different tips. Um, almost everybody has one of these and then you immediately lose the tips and um, you're really annoyed because it's the one you wanted. So and basically everybody has a gigantic pile of power supplies um, for all of the things in your house and you can never throw anything away because that's the one power supply you need. Um, you know, cause you need like some weird voltage, like three volts at five amps for your battery charger or something. Uh, so, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, a lot of companies, especially companies making small gadgets and electronic devices were like, uh, we can't take it anymore. Uh, first off, the DC jack is a huge connector. Second, you never know what you're going to get. And the risk is very high that people are going to plug in the wrong kind of adapter. 
So let's go with um, USB because USB is five volts, five watts, one amp, maybe two amps, so you can get 10 watts if you, if you don't mind having a thick cable. Um, so here's a CUI devices power adapter. Um, it's nice and svelte. It's got this like oval shape, very uh, nifty looking. You plug USB in and then you can use this to charge. I mean, this is really popularized by mobile phones. You know, everybody has this mobile phone or, you know, um, mobile music player or GPS or watch or whatever um, electronic device um, that you charge over USB or micro USB. Um, so you can get these with, you know, this is a version of the adapter that has the micro USB plug in it. You have a Raspberry Pi computer, you're well aware that this is how you power your Raspberry Pi or basically, or, you know, Arduino, whatever. Very, very common. And this works wonderfully as long as what you're powering is five volts and no more than 10 watts. Um, so stuff that's powered off of a lithium ion battery is great because lithium ion batteries are 3.7 volts, you know, 4.2 volts. You can power them and charge them from five. You're good to go. But the thing is, is that this doesn't solve the problem for larger devices in the house. And that's where, uh, you know, people basically said, look, we cannot, you know, if you have a tablet, your 10 watts is actually not really enough to charge or run a tablet or a laptop. So uh, the USB implementation forum came up with the idea of power delivery, which you know, you're starting to see in a bunch of devices. Uh, basically, um, you can get up to 100 or even 200 watts of power, different voltages, and it's one plug, but the client device, not the power supply, but the power sink, negotiates, it tells the supply what, how much power, how much current, how much voltage it needs, uh, and then the power uh, delivery device does its best. Uh, so you can see here, for example, it's like, you know, USB 2 really was supposed to be two and a half watts, but really people used it at like, you know, five watts. Um, and then uh, USB type C, you know, you could get up to five volts, three amps, you know, with 1.2. And then PD, which is very common now, almost everything is USB PD, uh, 100 watts is easy and multiple different voltages which is great if you have devices that have uh, 8.4 volts battery packs, so you need nine or 12 volts to charge them, or it's a laptop or it's a monitor, something that really needs a you know, huge backlight or a lot of power, it needs, or it's a pump or something, it needs uh, you know, up to 100 watts of power, you can get that uh, over USB-C. Um, one thing to note, this is from the CUI blog, by the way, uh, check out the blog, they have a great, uh, in the text version of this, um, there's a, a great a blog post about uh, USB PD. Um, you cannot, I, 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 this is kind of obvious, but I didn't realize it. Depending on the wattage you need, you're going to have to go with a, a voltage that will provide up to that much current because you're really best off not trying to draw more than three amps over a USB Type-C cable. Uh, there are fancy cables that can do five amps, but people don't always have the fancy cable. So really do three amps, which means that, you know, as you reach... 30 watts, you can't use five volts anymore. You have to use like 15 or maybe the higher end of nine. So like, just be aware, right? Like the, you know, if you can't get more than three amps, if you need 60 watts, you need 20 volts to do that. Um, and if you get into the higher voltages, you need these thick cables for USB-C that can carry uh, five amps. But that said, you can, in this power adapter doesn't do more than 30 watts anyways, but if you get one of those 100 watt power supplies. Um, one thing I recommend, and I'll, that I'm going to show the demo with, is um, we, we stock in DigiKey stocks this little like USB like power throwing star. 
Um, it's really great because it'll tell you whether the voltage was what voltage was negotiated over uh, USB PD. It's great for testing um, because not every you know every device has some you know as you design your device and you have the USB PD sync, you want to make sure that it works properly based on what power supply is plugged into because now you know if you're going to be using a power supply like this, people might plug it into their computer that cannot provide. 12 volts or 20 volts, it can only provide five. Your device just has to let people know, hey, I'm not in charge mode, I'm you know, in low power mode because I'm not getting the full amount or basically somehow communicate. Um, but to debug it, I recommend one of these little adapters. I use them every day. Um, and we also have an excellent guide uh, that uh, one of our um, staff creative uh, engineer R&D people wrote up all about USB-C, this graphic. Uh, is also by a graphic designer. Uh, check it out. It's on the learning system, uh, learn.afruit.com. Just search for USB Type-C. And then let me show off um, the overhead um, this yeah. demo. So, okay. Here is the CUI devices. So the thing to note with USB PD is what you want to look at is the output. So, you know, again, with uh, non-USB PD power supplies, it's going to say like, 5 volt 3 amps or 9 volt 1 amp. With this, it actually shows multiple voltages. And compare this to earlier power supplies where you'd actually have like, you'd sometimes get weirdo connectors with like four pins because you'd get like five volts and 12 volts. This one provides only one voltage, but it can provide any of these. So you don't get like 20 volts at one and a half amps plus five volts at three amps. You have to choose one or the other. Um, and the way you choose is again, there's this USB-C cable on the end. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of a, uh, I did a little bit of a hack because it's like, I wanted to plug in different things. Um, so for example, let's say I plug in, you know, and this is my, my USB throwing star. So this is the, into the adapter and this is going to, um, just visualize what the voltage is that it's getting. Uh, so this is plugging into a cutie pie, which requires only five volts. So you can see the voltage, the V plus here is five. 0.05, so it negotiated five volts. Uh, that's great. And then what I wanted to do is I wanted to plug in from last week, I showed off these uh, funky cables that can give you, that they have a PD sync chip inside of them um, that will uh, request 20 volts from it. And so I have a little like USB jack to jack adapter. So that's why I like got that. I just like wanted a quick adapter to convert the two. Uh, so you can plug in this cable. And then I have to re-plug it in. So. Um, and this time, you'll see down here on the voltage, it says 19.8. So it got 20 volts. So basically, this cable or you know, the device you plug in, this UI adapter has to negotiate and say, hey, I want more than 5 volts. Um, use a special chip for that. There's a lot of companies that make them. They're only like a dollar or two. Um, but this way, you know, no matter what gets plugged in, it can request the right voltage. Um, and if it doesn't get it, it will know that it didn't get the right voltage. So um, I, I recommend if you're going to get this power supply to integrate it, uh, debug with this and, of course, also get a proper USB PD sync chip to go okay. along. Available on DigiKey. In stock. There's two versions. One version has a power cable that's a USA, you know, three-prong, and one does not. So if you're like, why is one... 25 bucks and one's 20 bucks. The $25 one has the USB cable, uh, the uh, power cable. That's I on MPI. I on MPI.
All right, it's time for, you guessed it, Yeah, okay, so first up, coming soon, it's that CircuitPython 8 poster. It talked about, thank you so much, Espressive, for going on this journey with us, letting us get this art approved and more. It'll be in the store shortly. Yeah. We'll have a limited number. That is the poster. Okay, next up. Okay, next up, it's an update. Uh, it's a uh, two times AA battery holder, but here's the thing I really like. It's got this like built-in mechanical switch, which I think is wonderful for educational projects. Um, but we had people who wanted to use these in breadboards or they want to use them in Play-Doh or whatever. They wanted like the premium ends that um, you, know, you didn't, like we had like bare ends before. Uh, so we just got these updated. They now have premium ends on them. Wonderful for a breadboard project. Uh, or you can just stick them in any kind of material um, and they'll just do a better job at uh, staying in place because they've got nice tips. Okay, next up. Um, next up, this clear tag, which we originally had in MyFair Classic. We now also have in NTAG 203. Uh, this is the new you know, MyFair fancy version. Um, Classic is less supported these days. Um, I recommend you go to NTAG 203. Only the oldest stuff will not support NTAG. It requires MyFair Classic. Honestly, uh, every phone that's made in the last like five, 10 years uh, wants NTAG more than MyFair. So uh, pick these up. They physically look the same, but they have a different chip inside. Next up, and this was the code was based on micro adapter. Yeah, this is a little micro adapter. Um, you, you, know, you asked for something like this, basically, um, if you have you know, an old laptop or a computer with USB um, A connector, uh, this will just adjust it into USB C. Uh, it's just very slim. It's a little micro. It's, yes. it's actually meant to be embedded in a product, um, which is why it's kind of like a little like robot looking. Um, yeah, this is, you know, you want it as small as you could possibly get. It's it. a little skeletal, but it, it does work quite well. And then, you know, you have a reversible USB connection instead of a USB A. So it's a little port adapter. Next up. Um, next up, we have from Espressif, which, uh, you know, again, uh, they've been rocking out with us. Uh, this is the S3 box. Uh, light. Uh, so it does not come with a dock. It's basically the same as the S3 box before, but there's just it's a little less expensive. There's no dock that comes with it. It's a little box with, I think, like a two-inch screen, three buttons. Um, you know, you've got, you know, we're just showing here a little animation of um, scrolling through some of the capabilities. Um, I can show real fast, maybe. Uh, maybe I'll plug this into my USB CUI adapter. Uh, so you go to the overhead, and I'll, I'll demo this. Yeah, I figured I'd show some of the photos. Yes. You ready? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so it's got uh, USB-C. It's got this screen. I plug this in. Shows a little animation, which is cute. So this is the built-in demo. Of course, you can program it. It's the ESP32-S3. Uh, so it's got like a little, like a L, it looks like a um, uh, LGP, LVGL graphics demo. Um, it's got a media player and like you can actually uh, play music, which I'll then pause so we don't get uh, YouTube complaints. Oh, weird. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Let's slow down. Um, so you get a little like a control I if, surface. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's oh. interfering with something. Whoops. Yeah. Oh boy, I broke everything. Sorry. We're back. That was exciting. <laughs> Did we mention this is live? Hold yeah. on, let me get this back into. Okay. There you go. Um, 
and then uh, help, and there's a little, little documentation. Basically, it's a little um, all-in-one box that has sensors, speaker, little mounting holes, um, slots you can plug in stuff with an ESP32 S3. So if you just want to get a project up and running really fast uh, from Espressive, um, this is a, uh, a quick way to, uh, to get started with your ESP32 S3 project. Uh, there's ESP, ESP IDF support, and I think we actually added CircuitPython support for this board as well. Except. Uh, okay, this is interesting. Um, you know, we, we didn't stock a lot of these. These are um, Hall Effect, uh, di like a dimmer um, knobs. So they look like potentiometers, but they're, they're faders. Um, often you've seen these in AV control panels and they're like kind of fancy and nice or like aeronautic stuff. Um, so this is like a very smooth motion uh, that goes back and forth. It's not a potentiometer. Inside is a Hall effect sensor, uh, which will send uh, and that's a little bit of circuitry that'll send out a linear voltage on the yellow wire. So you do have to power it with five volts and ground. Um, and then you get a, uh, a linear voltage out. Um, it's got like this really nice motion. It's got mounting holes uh, and there's a diagram. It's just like really, really nice. Um, and it's meant to last for like decades. So, uh, you know, again, often used in AV equipment where it cannot fail because you're, you're fading between uh, live and recorded and you can't mess that up. Um, and it's not a potentiometer, so whatever you have this controlling needs to be able to take an analog voltage in. That said, you know, it's kind of a nice interface. Um, it's got, you know, a nice bearing and everything. Um, it's got a very smooth feel. I feel like if you want something like this, you know, motion or action, there's really nothing other than one of these fader knobs to do it. So, um, you know, if you're creating an interface and you want it to be really nice, I know these are a little expensive, but I think they're worth it, um, and they definitely have a really good build quality to them. All right, and the start of the show tonight, besides you, Lady our team, our staff, our employees, our friends, the community, our customers, all y'all, is this. A breadboard, but it's a premium breadboard. Uh, people have asked for these, so we had the large breadboard um, in premium style and now this one. So basically we've had breadboards for a while and they were okay, they were good. But this is like a really, really nice breadboard. So basically I went to a bunch of different factories and I said, look, I really want a smooth insert. Uh, I, don't, I want the clips to have um, these fancy clips that they make that are nickel plated, that they don't uh, have the annoyance of like sometimes you have to wiggle a board to get it in that you don't have to do that anymore because they're actually um, split apart and uh, with with a little notch in them um, and uh, everything is lined up very nicely so that when you want to insert a board or remove a board it's like a very smooth um, motion so like here's your standard feather and it just goes in very yep. smoothly like each time every time um, you know you want to plug in wires oops they plug in very easily without difficulty, but they're also um, in place. I also wanted to change the marking from blue to black because it kind of like black ground red yeah. power. I don't know. And um, another thing that is fancy about these is um, they come with a metal plate. So uh, if you would like to not have the um, sticky back that could possibly rip and be annoying, uh, you basically put the plate on the back. The back, this can also help with 
um, EMI, or at least I learned that in school. I don't know if it's actually true, um, but also make for a very nice uh, solid um, backing. You can connect them together, of course, if you want to like stick, you know, they, they have little nubs on the side so you can stick them side to side. Um, but basically, if you're ever really annoyed of like breadboards that are like, oh, it's really hard to put stuff in and remove it, um, these are buttery smooth. So buttery smooth breadboards are here. All right, test new products. Okay, you did it. Um, did. Micro adapter is the code. We are gonna go over to Discord in just a few moments and answer your questions. Join all 34,000 of us, you know the, you know the deal over there. Um, we're gonna do some top, top secret and then we're gonna check out your questions. So top secret this week is exciting. We're gonna show two videos back to back and then on the other side, you're gonna help us name this product. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? This is spaghetti. No, this is actually really cool. This is LED filament. You can see, if you look carefully, there's this like long line, ladder line of LEDs um, in this uh, Weber silicone coating. And it makes for this like beautiful, extremely soft, um, pure light tube. Um, this is pink. We've also got a couple other colors. Um, like this one is green, like a neon green. The only thing is it's, it's always not always clear which side is positive and which side is negative. So 50-50 chance to get it right. But they all run off of three volts. Um, and there's like blue and green and yellow and warm white. Uh, and they have this kind of look of like perfect EL wire and extremely flexible and soft. And they're not too expensive either, only a couple bucks. So I'm um, testing out these samples uh, to get them into the Adafruit shop and they look good so far. Related to what is this? Well, in addition to these cool flexible LED filaments, I also got um, a stiff filament. So these are used in LED light bulbs. It looks just like an incandescent filament. It's extremely bright when you power it with three volts, um, but it's got this pure white, warm white light that goes all the way around. Uh, I think this could be cool for like DIY light bulbs or wearables. Um, it also, you know, has this look of, of pure white light that could be cool for uh, cosplay. It's very skinny and only needs 3.3 uh, 3 volts to light it up. So I thought we'd stock some of these and people can um, make interesting illuminated uh, costumes and props, uh, wearables, displays, etc. Okay, and in the Discord chat, I'm going to post uh, the names that came in so far. The current winner is, uh, or in the lead at least, Ada's Lovelaces. I mean, come on, that's like, that's pretty good. And so we have uh, the longer ones, different colors, and then we have the ones that look like, you know, filament inside of, of uh, a light bulb. So that's this week's top secret. Uh, you can't ask about it, but you can potentially name it. Yes. So let's uh, head over to Discord. Okay. And uh, we'll, um, We'll answer Ask some away. Questions. Okay, so some folks they said uh, glow noodles, Adafil. Uh, they want to do the straight. Well, they mentioned the straight ones are good for small model building, stormtrooper blaster bolts, lightsabers. Um, people like spag LED, spagetti, spagetti, glow worms. It's patented if you're not a child of the '90s. Ada Lovelace <laughs> is really good too. Neo pasta. Yes, JP, JP had already put in. Uh, yeah, neofilaments. Okay, so uh, I got a question lined up here for you, Lady okay. Ada. Adafruit has been cranking out a lot of boards during these challenging times. Just a friendly inquiry, will there be an ESP32S2 FTF feather for Arduino 
Or is it meant to use regular ESP32 S2? Uh, there will be. I have to do a pull request to uh, the Espressif uh, board support package, and I just have not gotten to it yet. Um, just give, a, give me a couple more days, and I will uh, submit that, and then you will have a board definition. Okay. So Neopasta. Neopasta. That's from JP. People like Neopasta. The only thing is it's not Neopixel. It's not like RGB. Aluminoodles. Ooh, Aluminoodles. That's a good one. Aluminoodles. Aluminoodles. Yeah. Aluminoodles. Uh, Aluminoodles. Worms. Let's see. Aluminoodles. Beta fill. Yeah, I know. Ha, ha, ha. LED Gweenie. Lead Gweenie. All right. I think everyone's got like food based. Yeah, I, I could tell. I could tell people are hungry. I'm hungry too. I'm like, yeah. All right. They are very. It, it really does even feel like spaghetti, you know. Yeah. This, these are really neat, and um, we have a bunch of cool projects we're gonna do with them. So, uh, let's see. Aluminoodles. And uh, well, I'll keep them coming. Let's see if there's any other questions. Uh, looks like everyone's interested in naming the sweet. People like Aluminoodles. Yeah, um, I can. <laughs> Happy Wiggles. Happy Wiggles. Hate Wiggles. Um, so the question about the, the Raspberry Pi uh, possibility of getting one. So got to just say it. Let's go back. Sign up for an account on Adafruit.com. Verify your account. Set up two-factor authentication. We usually do... Raspberry Pi's availability on Wednesdays around... Wednesdays and Thursdays. Around 11, 11.30, 11 and Thursdays. Yeah. And so that's your best bet. And uh, we're doing a good job keeping the um, folks that are buying them and selling them for like two or $300. They're, they're starting to move on. But um, we should mention we only are allowing one Raspberry Pi per customer, and that includes all the different kinds of Raspberry Pis. So you cannot get a Pi 4 gig and then a pi 8 gig and then a pi 2 gig pick pick your pie get your pie hold on to your pie because we don't have enough to go around for people that have multiple pies just it's not possible right now believe me if i could i would but we just can't there just are not enough raspberry pies and we there's a lot of people who really just need one and we want to make it fair we want to make sure that people who just need one can get one so i know that there's people out there who are like i need four I need eight. I want to build my Beowulf cluster because I'm back in 1996 and I'm reading maybe, Slashdot. Maybe now's not the time for that. Now is not the time. Pick other projects um, or recycle some other. Look, you've probably got like 25 unfinished projects. So why don't you go work on those? Yeah. When you get through all of your backlogs of projects, then maybe we can build right. the Beowulf cluster. Uh, other ones that came in, um, Dragon Veins, uh, <laughs> Rave Cord, uh, LED, <laughs> Ledici Alfredo. I think JP is just... He's just stretching. You, you can tell. You can tell James. He's he stretching the pasta. He hasn't, he hasn't eaten dinner yet. Um, yeah. Okay. Pretty good stuff. Okay. Well, I'll put these up in our our internal list of names and everything. And if we pick one of y'all, um, we'll send you out. We'll some. send. We'll send you out some yeah. LED Chino Alfredo. Yeah. Um, and then, Alumitoni. Alumitani. I like it when you when you do the little uh, like you know the name this new product because it is like people come up with some funny ass names. You know, and here's why. So unlike maybe every other profession, um, so if you're if you're a doctor, there isn't um, 24/7 exposure to medical procedures 
that you're watching and you're and you're the, the whole your whole life doesn't revolve around uh, all of us we don't see that but advertising and marketing we're we're terrorized by it every second. So all of us see catchy names and signs and logos. It's one of the few things that we all get to have opinions about yeah. because it saturates us. So, you know, every other profession, they, they, they have their time and their place and it's, it's knowledge that's learned over time and to craft and everything. But everyone could be good at naming. Everyone could be good at um, marketing things because we all kind of know what we like. We usually say, oh, that's pretty good. And so I feel like sometimes um, names and uh, things can be, you know, something we can all participate in. Okay, well, it looks like folks are going to continue to put some cool names in. That is our show for this week. I'm going to uh, go over to the code. It's microadapter. Use it or lose it. Uh, I'll probably turn it off in a couple hours, so uh, go for it. Adafruit.com. We very much appreciate you supporting us, a woman-owned electronics company here in Manhattan, one of the few, the only... And we're doing open source, and we're going to keep doing open source. In case you're wondering, right. in case you're wondering what we're all up to, that's what we're doing. Um, so we will, uh, we'll keep doing this. If, okay, uh, go everybody have spaghetti. Okay, <laughs> y'all want? I can tell y'all want spaghetti yeah. and meatballs tonight. Oh, when, one question just snuck in. Um, what do you know the amp draw, the volt requirements for the? Uh, they're, they're yeah, definitely for the aluminum noodles. Or the aluminum noodles. <laughs> guess it's aluminum noodles. They're three volts. I think they're about fifty milliamps. Um, but I actually, I'll be honest, I didn't actually check. Um, but I think they're like fifty to one hundred milliamps. Uh, they're all three volts. Yeah, I know it's pretty good. And you can PWM them because we're right. LED. And I think uh, Jesse May is our team member here at Adafruit behind the scenes in our Slack, posting up the codes, doing some things, helping out customers, blogging some stuff. Keep it an never, eye on never stops here. It's we got a lot of, all we, day long. We got a lot of stuff going on. Um, JP's going off to boil some water. Don't forget to salt the noodle water. And yeah. The so we'll see uh, everybody next week. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. Have a fantastic week, everybody, and thank you so much.